You have 101 copies of Weathering Heights. Is that true? I do. Yeah. I, I actually think I might be up to 102 now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performances and other artsy things uh, happening in Edmonton. My name is Fonda, and we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. So, all right, well, we've had a lot of time now to settle into this no in-person gathering world. Uh, and here in Edmonton, one of the first festivals to pivot to an entirely online offering, likely the first of many for a while, is one that's very near and dear to my heart. Next Fest. Next Fest is Edmonton's festival for emerging artists, and it's where many of us who have stayed in this city started out and met our community and got our first checks as artists and so on. And uh, and it's just a very it's a very special thing. Uniquely, I think Nexus is characterized by the gathering and networking that happens among the young artists involved during the festival. Many professional creatives and performers that you see on stages today got their start and even started organizations because of first connecting with each other at Nexfest, which is now in 2020 celebrating its 25th anniversary. And the pandemic is going to change its nature and flavor pretty drastically this year. So with that, today I'm thrilled to present an interview with the festival director of NextFest. She is an accomplished playwright, arts educator, and producer of theater for young audiences. She has written over 25 plays for children and teens and is no stranger to Sterling nominations for those plays. Of course, earlier this season, we saw her wonderful show, Everybody Loves Robbie, at Northern Light Theater. She is co-founder of Send in the Girls Burlesque, an award-winning performance company which combines traditional theater with the art of burlesque to examine uh, historical stories of women and and um, women writers sometimes too. A couple of my favorites were her play, A Bronte Burlesque, and the Sterling-nominated Tudor Queens, which I I do have to point out preceded that hit musical Six that was at the Citadel. Um, yeah, by eight years, it was it was a while ago, and it was amazing. So our guest is incredibly busy these days preparing to upload NextFest to the world in its new online incarnation. So I feel very lucky to have caught up with her to talk about her career path and the wonders of the beautiful multidisciplinary beast that is NextFest and also how she and I met over a decade ago on the dance floor at one of the legendary NextFest nightclubs, the Notorious Smut Night. She put a real big smile on my face for this one, which has been a rarity during the pandemic, and I think that may be a trait she carries to everyone she comes into contact with. So everyone, please give it up. Whoop like you would at a burlesque show proper. Here is my chat with the delightful, exuberant, effervescent Ellen Chorley. Hello, Ellen. How are you doing? Hi, Fonda. How are you? Great to talk to you. Doing okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing okay too. I, I some days it definitely feels like I'm I've like really nailed it on this like pandemic life, mm-hmm. and, and some days it just feels like a disaster. <laughs> How about you? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I, of course, the festival that I am trying to plan did not happen as as quickly or, or as as early uh, in the year as yours does. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I want to definitely chat with you about um, Next Fest and what it was like to really be sort of one of the first Edmonton festivals out of the gate doing doing the real all online pivot thing. Um, but first, what I wanted to ask you about is um, is everybody loves Robbie because that was sort of like the first thing that happened this year um yeah, yeah. and it was a be- it was a beautiful play oh, so um so much. <laughs> yeah tell just so give us give us a sense of where that play came from for you and and it's and it's journey to the stage with Northern Light yeah absolutely uh so yeah it was very early in the year I think opening night was uh January 10th and it's so hard to even think about January because it feels like it was 6,000 years ago Mm -hmm. um but which was but another really cool thing which also seems really foreign to me now is that was that first week of it running January 10th it ran I think to the I must have ran to like the 24th, I guess. But that first week, the 10th to like the 18th was the coldest Edmonton had seen in years. It was so cold. And and it was such a beautiful um, – uh, I, I was so honored that folks were still coming out to the play. Um, we had really good houses um, because it was truly so freaking cold. It was so cold. So that was uh, – that was – and and again to think about winter and to think about things that happened before this pandemic it's very odd to think about because it feels like it is a distant memory from years ago even though it mm-hmm. was a few months ago but but so that was a really cool thing and so yeah um everybody loves robbie uh we ran from uh january 10th to, i think the 24th at northern light theater and um I, the play started um as a sort of a call to action, I guess, from Darren Hagen, um, who is a, an amazing uh, playwright uh, and drag performer and, and queer activist here in Edmonton. And we were at some kind of event and, and he was saying that he was putting together um, the playwrights for Loud and Queer, um, which is a really cool little festival um run by Darren and a workshop West playwrights theater, or I think of, at that time they were involved. And it was, uh, it's a sort of um, celebration of, of writing that is either queer themed or um, created by queer artists. And Darren said, Oh, you should write something. You should write something. And um, at the time I, uh, I knew who the actors were going to be. Um, and one of the actors was my best friend, Lana Michelle Hughes. And so I kind of wanted to write something for her specifically. And so I wrote this little piece, um, called everybody loves Robbie. And it was about, I would say about 12 minutes long. And, um, it was sort of the skeleton of the story. The characters, Robbie and Chloe are, um, in a relationship and then they break up right before going to limelight North and then, um, kind of what happens at limelight North. Um, and they performed it and the, um, response was just really fantastic. Um, uh, they performed it with three actors, April Bannigan, Matt Holshoff, and Lana Hughes. And it was always this little thing that kind of lived in my back pocket. I kind of thought, 
there could be something I could do with it. I've, I've joked for years that I want to write a play called All Our Friends Are Sad. But then I was like, well, <laughs> I just want to write a play about being sad. And then, you know, so I always kind of thought that would be part of it. And then, um, and then I guess time is meaningless, but I, I think that I'm so, I guess in October of 2018, so this, I had written this play, I think in 2015 or 16, this little play, uh, Trevor took me to lunch and he said, listen, I, I'm wondering if, if this play could be, um, a longer play. It could be a full length play. And, um, and Trevor had originally directed the little playlet at workshop West and, and loud and queer festival. So he was quite familiar with it. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so we sort of spoke dramaturgically about, um, about the story and we kind of went back and forth a little bit. And, um, I sort of set to work, um, writing the full version of the play. And, uh, a lot of that was investigating, um, uh, what it meant to be in a relationship with somebody and that kind of stuff and the beginning of a relationship and a relationship sort of built on loving the same things. In this case, the two characters love musical theater, which is very much based on my high school experience. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like, I just love musicals um, in high school. And like, I, I, my dad's a record collector. So he would give me all his LPs um, of musicals and I would just listen to them in my room. Like I just really, I was not, I don't think I was that social. I, I went to all the drama. Uh, yeah. And the, t- and the two characters in everybody loves Robbie. I were They're, they're so sweet. They're so endearing. <laughs> um, and, and just like had, had such a marvelous time. Um, watching that show now the the sterling nominations are coming out on monday and i have like i have high hopes for it it was one of the last shows i ended up getting to see (laughs) well thank you i just think that it was um a really like beautiful experience to work on that play i feel like that play was a lot about my truth i think that um it sort of investigates my feelings about bisexuality and my own sexuality um it's very much based on characters that i have met through through my experience growing up in edmonton it's a, i think of it as a love letter to edmonton theater and and also um it's uh, i've been doing a i've writing a, i've written a lot of plays fonda <laughs> and but a lot of them are um uh, to be produced in a certain genre so i've written a lot of kids plays or family plays and i was writing a lot of burlesque style plays um uh because those are the two indie theater companies that i run and they needed content to produce right so or i was being or you know other theater companies that were children or tya based were hiring me to write that type of work right so it was it was really easy to be in those two boxes as a tya writer or this burlesque writer which is not a thing but kind of a thing <laughs> but it also seemed those those two things seem so opposite end of the spectrum yeah. but, but the point is is that i didn't get to do anything in the middle that was just a play you know there was plays that were for you know a certain audience either side of the spectrum either burlesque for adults or and specifically burlesque or or plays for families and i think this play 
brings my two experiences, both in burlesque and in writing for young audiences, but it also is just an authentic play. And I think that that a theater company like Northern Light Theater asking me to do that and sort of like step out of these two boxes that I've been in for a long time was like truly a gift to me. And I'm, I'm so grateful for, to Gina and Trevor for thinking of this play and saying, Hey, would you like to develop it more and supporting that development? And, and for like the beautiful work that Trevor did directing the play and the actors that we had in it, just everyone such brought such beautiful work to it. But it was, it felt like it was such a beautiful experience for me because it just was a play from my heart. It wasn't a play that had to tick any boxes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 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 it was, it, it was interesting to see that it you know because yeah I I've seen the burlesque, some of the burlesque plays that you've yeah. written before. I, I I will say I will admit that I don't get to see too much TYA very often. Um, but uh, but the you know the burlesque plays I've always I, I really enjoyed. Um, you know the, the work by Send in the Girls and and things like that. And and but also this play just personally identified so much with because I I grew up at Vic. You know, I was a theater kid too. And it was just, it was, it just rang so true to the experience of, um, of, of that, of, of being in school and questioning things and questioning your identity and falling in love and all of, all of the whole mess of it, really. (laughs) Well, yeah, it is a mess, isn't it? First, your first Mm -hmm. love is so messy. But yeah, I really, I just really, um, I really enjoyed the experience of working on it. It was really, truly a labor of love and, and at every step of the way. And, uh, and it, it felt very, very authentic to my experience being a theater kid growing up in Edmonton and sort of trying to figure out the ongoing ex- um, conversation with myself about my sexuality and, and where that lies and that kind of stuff and the fluidness of this, I guess. So, well well speaking of you know like young loves and theater kids and 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 all that kind of stuff um you know one of the great loves of my young theater life here in Edmonton was Next Fest and still is um and so tell us about tell us about you are the you are the uh festival director at at Next Fest um so tell us about the, the journey of how Next Fest is going to work this year. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm so excited, but I'm, but it's, it's so, it's been such a journey. Okay. So everything, every single thing is going online. So that means we're doing programming every night. Every single artist in the festival, we basically, fo- we've phoned them or emailed them or Skyped with them. Um, about March 27th, I think the day was, and we said, listen, we're going to go online. We'd like for you to take what was supposed to be a live project and pivot it in any way that you want, any shape or form to create a digital piece of theater or, or dance or music or, or, or poetry or an experience, whatever you like, but it has to be accessible from a person's computer. And, um, and we were met truly Fonda with like the most exciting and vulnerable and brave and enthusiastic yeses I've ever heard. Every single person said to me, the, their enthusiastic was like blinding. It was like, um, it was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I, I'm going to do it. 
And Mm -hmm. now we have an entire festival that is free, which is great, um, and accessible online. And basically between June 4th and the 14th, every night except for Monday, which is our day off, um, there's going to be programming um, starting some nights it starts at six depend, and some nights it starts at seven and then, then it goes um, basically till it's done. So some nights end at nine, some nights end at midnight kind of depends on what's scheduled that night and everything is online and it's a real myriad of, of stuff. It's, dance and then it's music and then it's a short film and then it's a play reading and then it's um, another short film and then it's a dance on film piece and everything is available online uh every you basically sit down and watch it all you don't have to um you know jump from youtube to instagram to facebook you just sit down on our website and it streams right to you Uh, and as well everything is going to be open captioned so that means that if you um are a person who uh is deaf or hard of hearing if you just prefer to watch things without sound and read them instead um or you have you're in a situation where you can't have the sound on for some reason it's accessible to you in that way as well oh that's amazing yeah so i mean next fest has had Nexus has had a number of different homes, I guess, because we really? started out right at the Roxy, or it started and and at the Azimuth as well. Yeah. And those venues are not don't exist at least right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and well, now actually, no theater venues really exist right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so. So how has how have you had to um, adapt some of the things, or what were what are some of the more unique ideas that that came out of this this call for action to artists that went out? Well, it's uh, unbelievable the stuff that we got. Like, here's an example: um, we were going to have a group of artists do um, a live dance piece. And they decided to basically completely pivot their project, and they've made a dance video uh, like a, a dance film that audiences get to do like the the bandersnatch thing or the choose your own adventure like you get to like click through and decide what you see next so it's completely an interactive experience it's just not a live interactive experience and mm-hmm. i mean that is so creative <laughs> i just love it and it's so cool and 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 i sort of have to think about it as like a real blessing because like it's um it, I, this never would have been created if if the pandemic didn't happen and we didn't say to the artists what do you want to do you know so so that's a real big sh- shift um and then we're seeing a lot of people acting together but separately so it, um i'm just going through the pieces right now i just watched um a reading of a play where all the actors are in these intimate scenes together but they're doing it online in their in their own bedroom or office or wherever they're reading from and they're still able to sort of create that intimacy and so it it is a big shift for sure and we're going to see way different stuff but um but there still is really great and cool emerging art still being made. It's just a little bit differently how it's been approached the process. Uh, that's, that's, that's so incredible. I have to admit, I have this like huge grin on my face, just listening oh. to you talk about next fest because, <laughs> 
because it is such a special part of the Edmonton arts community. And I think Absolutely. if if you if there's anyone listening to the podcast that doesn't really know what Next Fest is and why it is so special and maybe why we have such big hearts for it, give us what is Next Fest, Ellen? Why why is it this special well, thing? First of all, Fonda, I think a big thing for Next Fest is you and I met at Next Fest for sure. I know mm-hmm. we did. We met, we met Smut Night. I'm pretty sure that you were doing belly dancing. I hope that's okay. If you want to cut that out of the podcast, you can. But Yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally was. I totally was. That was a thing. Girl, get it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, we met on the dance floor. So I think a big part of Next Fest um, is that it – okay, so let's just start at the beginning. Okay, so this year is – our 25th year as a festival in Edmonton. In 1996, Next Fest was um, created by Bradley Moss, who is now currently the artistic director um, and executive director of Theatre Network, which runs the Roxy. Um, so he's running that that those that company, and he's also overseeing the building of the new Roxy Theatre, which is a very cool thing. Um, but he basically saw this need. He was an artistic associate with your network at the time um, where there was sort of this gap. You, you come as an artist, you come out of your training program and then you sort of just wait around for someone to hire you. And that could take, you know, 10 to 15 years, right? Or you move out of Edmonton and look for work somewhere else in a bigger center. And so he really wanted to provide an opportunity for artists that are emerging sort of in their first 10 years um, to um, create their own work and to be accountable for their own work and to learn in a festival-based setting on how to become both a producer and an artist. And basically, Next Fest is the place where lots of artists come to, including myself, where they're paid for the first time to be an artist. Um, for myself, my personal journey with Next Fest is I started um, when I was 16, I was in the high school program. And then when I was 19, Steve Perot programmed one of my first ever plays on the main stage. And that was the first time I was paid to be a playwright. And then um, sort of throughout my 20s, I did a lot of sort of creation um, with um, the nightclub series and a lot of short pieces and that kind of stuff. I went to a lot of parties. Uh, and then, uh, and then when I was in my later twenties, I took over the high school, um, division of the festival and I ran that for four years. And then four years ago, um, this is my fourth festival. So sort of three and a half years ago, Steve Perot moved on to iHuman, which is a great organization that he is just awesome at running. And, um, I stepped up to be the festival director. So, um, I've had a really long experience as an artist with Next Fest and, and the idea of the festival is is to provide these opportunities for emerging artists and also to provide mentorship and a place where um, connections can happen. So like I said, you and I met on the dance floor, but so many artists meet on the dance floor or meet at a party or um, or talk for the first time in the lobby. And then that becomes artistic partnerships and friendships of the future. So that's, I think, why we all care about it so much is because we have these very special memories about where we met people and how we be- became their friends and their co-creators, I guess. 
Yeah. And you see, you've seen so, uh, like, I feel like I see, you know, so many companies and, and partnerships and plays and productions that just, they started out at Nextfest, yeah. like in, in similar ways to how a lot of things started at the, at the fringe. Yeah. Nextfest is sort of like this Edmonton incubator. When you stepped into the role after however many years that you had had experiencing Nextfest already, um, what, did you have any goals that you really wanted to tackle? Did you have anything that you really wanted to do uh vision wise i think that one of the biggest vision things i wanted to do was really expand the idea of mentorship within the festival um i because i was coming from the high school program um that program was like very mentor specific every project got a mentor that was assigned to it and and because they were in high school there was this element of hand holding i often would say to the mentors And when I was mentoring, sometimes the kids are not going to know what they need. So it's kind of your job to figure out what they need and then give it to them. And that could be a real hands-off approach, or that could be like every step of the way you're there with them to help them. And I kind of wanted to bring a little bit of that to the rest of the festival so that um, that artists felt that they were very supported within um, their creation process to get them to opening night, if that makes sense. So that was a really mm-hmm. big thing. And then because of that idea, our um, workshop series um, and our one-on-one mentorships also sort of came out of that. So um, at this point, for the past three years now, we also run workshops pretty much every day of the festival that are free for basically anyone to be a part of. And those workshops specifically are aimed at the business of being an artist. So things like how to write grants, how to do your taxes, um, that kind of stuff, um, how to expand from being um, one type of artist to being a multidisciplinary artist, that kind of work, um, how to collaborate, how to produce, uh, and also sort of the health of being an artist. Um, because I was noti- I was noticing that folks felt like they couldn't stay in Edmonton. They didn't have the opportunities that they wanted so that they, they moved somewhere else. And I wanted those people to stay in Edmonton. So that was kind of part of that as well. And then this year we're also for the first time doing, like I said, these one-on-ones. So, so we had artists, um, apply to basically do this one-on-one program where they could ask for any, um, they can ask for an hour with a mentor. They can either specifically ask for a certain mentor or they could say, this is what I'm working on. Can you find me a mentor? And so we ended up having 50 artists um, apply to do that. So we're having all these, these one-on-ones happening as well. So I think that that's, yeah. I wouldn't say that's, that's solely my vision because it's not, it is a collaborative process. Um, I lead a group of curators and, and everyone's voices are really, truly, um, a, a part of, of shaping the festival and the festival really embraces the idea of new and trying new things. But I think that's been a, a focus that we're trying to really engage with as much as we can. Mm-hmm. This might be a little bit of an insider question, because but I remember um, working on Nexus with, in the days of Steve Perot when getting everyone's name on that t-shirt was like a really, really big yeah. deal. Um, and even as an artist, like seeing your name on that t-shirt was just like, the best. So, so is there, is there something happening this year that's like the t-shirt or, or we t-shirt? t-shirt? Oh, we got a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we got a t-shirt. The t-shirt is happening. 
<laughs> let me tell you, the t-shirt is very nice. It's very cool. Um, yeah. So um, it's it. Uh, what's going to happen is um, we've set up a system. So if if an artist is either out of town, because we do have more art out of town artists this year, because obviously creating digital allowed for folks to create work and not be in the city of Edmonton to do it. Um, or if they are unable to leave their house because they are, um, you know, compromised or, or unable to, um, leave their house for whatever reason, um, we'll mail them their shirt or drop off their shirt. And if they are able to leave their house, um, they're, will be able to pick up their shirt um, at certain times um, and it'll be sort of like a, a, a curbside pickup situation. But yeah, we, yeah, you- do a t-shirt. <laughs> we can't believe it. <laughs> t-shirts, t-shirts in the time of COVID. This is yes. amazing. It's happening. It's happening. Because truly we love the t-shirts. We talked about if we could do them. We weren't sure. And but but the idea of doing the festival without the t-shirt, like the next fest t-shirt is so important and like so iconic to the festival. Like everyone gets that t-shirt and then they have that, all their t-shirts. Hopefully, I know I have mine all hanging in my closet. And and it's it's I know for me, when I was 16, I did Next Fest for the first time. That t-shirt was like a king's like a king's like like throne or a king's like crown or like you know a gigantic like it was so I felt so much pride and like so special when I wore it and it was such a cool thing and it meant so much to me and my name was on it so like we really wanted to give everyone that experience of like what yeah. a shirt and having a t-shirt yeah yeah. And I mean, well, and to give to give folks a little bit of context here, we're not talking about, you know, just like the cast of a show shows up on a T-shirt. We're talking like there are over 500 artist names on this yeah. shirt every year. Yeah. We get, it's, it, everyone's name is quite small, but you can always find yourself. And and uh, yeah, we put every artist that the name that is sent to us, we put on the T-shirt till printing time. And then if we had to, uh, if we have to add artists afterwards, their name isn't on the t-shirt but they still get a t-shirt so yeah yeah uh i mean uh so next fest so awesome i do want i do want to i like we're we'll i will throw to the um the next fest website and all that kind of stuff in our show notes so that people can check it out and and all for free that's so amazing um but i also wanted to ask you a little bit about how you're how how you're noticing um performances happen during the pandemic um you you are also a founder of send uh send in the girls burlesque and um burlesque is one of those things that I have seen pivot online that I'm like, huh, I wonder how that's working. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I haven't done any of that yet. I've been too busy with Next Fest, but I've had some of my colleagues um, start to produce online. In fact, they were some of the first people to change their content to online. And I thought that was just so brave and exciting of the, for them to do. So they're... Um, uh, so my colleagues, um, uh, my colleague, my co-founder of Sending the Girls, Delia Barnett, also um, uh, helps to run as part of running um, House of Hush Burlesque, which has been doing um, sort of every two weeks a new live show. Um, 
uh, of burlesque, which has uh, musical elements. And they now because it is online, they're able to get guest burlesque dancers from all over Canada and the States, which is such a cool thing because often we won't see those dancers in Edmonton as much. And, um, and they've been saying it's been going really well. And I think part of that is they, they've really engaged the audience through the chat function of a uh, uh, Zoom has this chat function so that you're able to type in like your thoughts and your feelings and that kind of stuff or, you know, a, a virtual clapping or a virtual woo. And they've said that connecting that way has made it really, really cool, a really cool experience. So, and it's, it's really neat. Maybe it's actually, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I love going to see burlesque live. I think that's such a cool experience to be with an audience, but I'm wondering if, if, if a person was interested in watching burlesque, but they were nervous about going to a live event, maybe this is perfect for them because they can then experience it on their own and see if they like it. That would be really cool. Actually. I didn't even think about that until now. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I think yeah, they're a really cool job. Yeah, there are some instances where, you know, like I'll be, you'll be at a burlesque performance and there's some folks who just, if they haven't been to one before, they don't know that it's okay to like, or, you know, like clap or like, you know, just like give, give the performer some feedback that, you know, like things are, that it's great. Everybody, everything looks great. Um, so, so yeah, that that, in, in that way, it is kind of interesting. Um, are, are there, so how do you see the audience maybe, are there audience interactions sort of planned in with with any of the next fest events as well so what's going to happen is uh, it's kind of similar what's every night um audiences just kind of sit down on our website they can also go to twitch to watch our stream on twitch as well um and we do have a chat function so um audiences can basically um interact in the chat function they can ask questions or they can make comments and that kind of stuff and a, a great deal of our content has already been created. It's not being created live. It's being streamed live, but it's already been filmed and edited and that kind of stuff. So it's actually really possible for an artist who made that content to jump in the chat and say, hey, I actually wrote this. I'm the playwright. Let me know if you have any questions or have feedback for me so it we're trying our very best because we know that next fest does have some really unique experiences of people hanging out in the lobby or back in the old days at, at the roxy you could just go out in the front patio and everyone would chat between shows and stuff like that we're still trying to have that experience in the chat box as much as we can and we're also encouraging folks to um engage by um sharing with us on social media you know there's one night that there's a nightclub um that's been based around wearing your pajamas. So we want to see everyone's like quarantine chic and that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And then also we're hoping that, that um, people feel encouraged to sort of um, engage in that social, social connection um, by either attending. We're doing, I think four, a total of four community check-ins. So folks can attend those and meet next fest artists and chat and that kind of stuff. Or, or come to our workshops because there is a social aspect to our workshops as well, where you can ask questions and talk to people and meet people for the first time as well. So, so there is sort of that still um, a little bit, not as maybe as much as a live festival, but we're trying our best to create those opportunities as much as we can. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the cool things about NextFest, like you mentioned earlier, was that you just get, you meet so many people. And I think yeah. that one thing I've heard, especially from, you know, single folks and some of my single friends is that like, you know, it, you can't meet anyone during this damn pandemic, yeah. Ellen. I <laughs> know. Oh, I don't know what, I mean, I'm lucky because my part, I've been with my partner, but um like, yeah, it must be really hard to meet people. So let me tell you about something specific that NextFest is doing, which is very cool. Um, so we're not doing, if, if folks have heard of our very famous Smut Night nightclub, which is a oh, yes. nightclub that is sort of dedicated to all things smutty. And it's a live performance night where you go to the party and performances pop up all around you. So we're not doing that online, but what the curator Sarah Culkin is doing is she's doing a sort of part workshop, part experience called, uh, let me make sure I, I don't say it's a lot of words. Just give me one second. What's it called? <laughs> I don't want to make sure I tell you the right thing here. Uh, the all gender speed dating for the end of the world. So what it is, is basically, I think 36 people can sign up to do it. And it's on Monday night of our festival. And it's it's not specifically for romance, but it can be. It's just about meeting a whole bunch of different people. And Sarah says that people are encouraged to dress to impress. So basically, it's just a chance to meet some new friends in and have new relationships with people you haven't met before. So if your single friends are looking for something to do to meet some new people, this might be that for them and it's free and you just have to sign up through the next fest website and it's under our workshops. Oh, it's so amazing. And the legend of smut night lives on. That's true in a very, very different way, but a very exciting way, I think. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by InVentures Unbound, the ultimate platform for innovators, investors, and industry to share, inspire, and interconnect virtually. Even in these times of distancing, connection and innovation are more important than ever. Join the launch of this virtual community with live stream events June 3rd and 4th. The opening keynote is renowned neuroscientist Tally Sherritt, who will explain how innovators and investors can harness optimism and vastly improve their decision-making skills. Other topics will include smarter cities, vibrant communities, healthier living, broader thinking, agriculture in the technology age, and innovation of work. And you don't want to miss the all-out live stream pitch battle event. Everybody loves a pitch battle. To access Unbound, get your pass at inventurescanada.com. That's I-N-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S-Canada.com. Taproot Edmonton is a source of curiosity-driven stories about our city, cultivated by the community. In addition to their weekly roundups on local topics like media, city, council, food, business, music, and arts, there's now a special page on COVID-19 in Edmonton, where the community can ask questions about Edmonton's response to and experience of the pandemic, with a running list of answers curated from reliable sources. You can sign up to become a member and get more info at taprootedmonton.ca.
All right, everyone. Again, there's not a lot of real live listings to share, but of course you should check out NextFest happening online at nextfest.org on June 4th through 14th. Um, This week, the Sterling's announcement will come out on Monday. That's June 1st at 5 o'clock. Keep an eye on the Sterling Awards Facebook page for that. And if you happen to be placing bets, I would probably put some money on a few nods for Everybody Loves Robbie. We will, of course, share the links that we chatted about um, in the interview on our show notes. That's for Next Fest and for Send in the Girls. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's all we got for you this week, everyone. Um, thank you again so much to Ellen Chorley for chatting with me this week. Go check out Next Fest June 4th through 14th, again, at nextfest.org. Go see some shows, everyone, from the safety of your home, Wi-Fi, online, and if you can... Send those artists a donation. They sure could use it. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinoff. Sit here thinking, I love you.